Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It is right before closing time at a big box retailer. Ash Williams bursts through the entrance, clearly looking for someone. After scanning through the entire store, Ash finds the retail manager. Hey, uh, listen up, Ash says to the short-sleeved yet collared 29-year-old. I need to make a return on this microwave. I have the receipt. The manager points vaguely towards the office in the back, and Ash heads towards his goal. Taking the wrong staircase, however, Ash ends up in the bowels of the building. It is there that he sees an enemy equal to the horrors he's experienced in his entire life, as an alien matriarch has chosen this spot to lay her eggs. Ash realizes it's fight or die, and thankfully, he's always got his weapons on hand for just such an occasion. It's Ashy Slashy versus the mother. It's the chosen one versus the matriarch. It's Ash Williams versus a xenomorph queen. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. It's our third match of Shocktober, and we have two legends of horror getting into one unbelievable brawl. In one corner, you've got Ash Williams, a chainsaw-wielding, wise-cracking anti-hero who battles demonic forces in the Evil Dead franchise versus the Xenomorph Queen, the highly intelligent and dangerous egg-laying matriarch of the Xenomorph species. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and this was interesting. There were many examples of people discussing a battle between Ash and a regular Xenomorph, what we see all the time. But I saw no instance of Ash fighting a Xenomorph Queen. So yet again, the Woodwind team brings you a premiere never before discussed geek culture battle. And you're welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I have a lot of thoughts on today's matchup. I am excited to finally be repping Ash Williams, one of my favorite. I'll just say it. My favorite character in all of existence here on the Who Would Win show. I felt a little bit bad about having to absolutely crush him destroy him in a previous Shocktober episode, one would argue I still lost the battle. That's not the point. Pennywise <laughs> the Clown would destroy Ash. Let's just keep it real right now. I don't know. Again, as it always happens in the show, I don't know what judges are thinking when they go through those, their, their paces. They always make bad decisions. I should just be over it by now. But that's not going to happen. I'm taking Ash to a deserved victory today against a monumental foe, and I hope the people at home are ready for a little blood. You know, I, I got to tell you, it's an unprecedented matchup because we are at unprecedented times. For those who don't know, I somehow, and again, somehow have won five matches in a row. And now Ray Stacanus is facing a possible sixth defeat in a row. 
And I don't know what's going to happen to the show, to the Who Would Win franchise, if this actually occurs. I'm a little scared right now. Ray, you got to be losing your mind at this point. Seriously. How do you come back from five losses in a row? I can't fathom it when I lose one match in a row. I know my arguments are better, and it just comes down to a judge, or in this case, five judges, who absolutely lose their minds when it comes time to give a final decision. I've got people all over social media. They're doing it on the the Facebooks. They're doing it on the threads. They're doing it on the Instagrams. I hear there's another app that used to have a bird on it. Nobody uses anymore. And maybe some people are so desperate for attention. They even put it on there. No one thinks, nobody thinks that the Ghostbusters won that battle correctly last week against Beetlejuice. It was as if the judge who knows everything there is to know about Beetlejuice suddenly forgot that he can reality warp. Like these dudes are just going to walk in and suddenly proton packs are flying out of midair. I, I already argued against all that successfully. I don't know what to do. I am beside myself. There is no chance I'm going to let James get to six in a row. And I'm especially not going to let it happen with Ash, Ashy Slashy Williams, the greatest character of all time. Look, uh, I'm going to say I never thought I'd actually be at this point with five wins in a row. It's kind of crazy. But uh, there's a reality that has to set in here. What people don't know is that even though I'm insanely confident right now and I've got great arguments for the Xenomorph Queen, I know for a fact that a cornered Ray, a Ray that's backed up against the wall facing six losses in a row, which means who knows what's going to happen, is still a very capable and dangerous race to Canis. So I'm still giving him all the respect in the world, at least for his debating you know, capabilities, nothing else. Now, I have one question before we get to the judge. Because you won four in a row, you got to pick a character who will appear on the show. I know also for a fact that for at least four and a half seasons, you've been begging the Who Would Win show in the boardroom to use the Xenomorph Queen on the show. Is the Xenomorph Queen that character that you have chosen? I can only assume it is because it is the number one requested thing for basically my entire lifetime. All I'm going to say is... All will be a re- no. The answer is no. The Xenomorph Queen is not How? my ultimate pick. Wait, it's the board a- just let you have this for nothing? The the board said, okay, James, you did something we never thought possible, and we're actually happy you got it. You pick someone, Ray. Who do you think is a good opponent? You came up with a brilliant suggestion, mind you, with Ash Williams, and I'm like, hell to the yes, let's do this. That's how this battle came to be. It's not my ultimate pick, though. I'm going to reveal that very, very soon. Now. With all that being said, we need to introduce today's judge because we need that person who can oversee the madness, the mayhem that's about to occur. So making another appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's fan favorite judge. It's the only adult in the room, at least for this show and wherever else they happen to be at. It's podcaster extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. It's Robert Clark Jan. Robert, welcome back to Who Would Win. Are you telling me there's a chance I could make Ray lose a historic six in a row. Don't get I any mean, ideas, Robert Clark Chan. Of I course, you have to be the super judge today. Excited about of course, this. Look at all the judges that you brought in over the over this quote unquote winning streak, and now suddenly I have to look 
square in the eyes of my arch enemy of all time, Robert Clark. What, what was Stefan Thomas not available? What is happening right now? Listen, I will. I got to admit, Robert Clark Chan, you know, you're an amazing podcaster. You're my favorite, you know, host of Knowing is Half the Podcast. By far, by the way, a great show as long as Robert oh, Clark no, Chan's no, on it. Oh, no, no. You better say Gina or there's yeah. going to be trouble. Can't do it. Can't do it. After uh, last year's October debacle, which robbed me of four wins in a row mm. that she was overseeing. Fair. Can't do it. I'm not saying she's not brilliant, but as a judge, d- d- I'll just leave it at that. You know now, that Gina's one of the judges being kept from me in this last five match quote unquote winning streak. I would I want a full investigation. I want a congressional investigation into the last five episodes of this show. I think we're gonna find some shady underbelly of the Who Would Win show. Are you kidding me? You, as much as I would like to make you lose, how badly do you think Gina wants? To give you a loss. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Look, she can't stand me, and she and I don't even exchange like a word over a year. No. I can only imagine the the vile feeling she has towards race to Canis. Now listen, Robert mm-hmm. Jan, you've been called the most beautiful person on the planet. You've never studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yet you claim you could easily pin me in side control. And somehow I believe you, sir, were on my answer to the quiz for my American citizenship test not too long ago. When I was asked to name the most important person in the country, of course, I said, well, it's Robert Clark Chan. And there you go. I'm a U.S. citizen. You are a national, no, an international treasure is what I would call you. Tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, what you've been up to. Uh, Same old, same old. The fine podcast, knowing is half the podcast. AE Doubleback is a thing you can check out. I've been, yeah, living life. Living life to the fullest in Los Angeles. I'm glad you added that last part. Look, this is a huge responsibility. And as much as I want that six win in a row, I want to get it the right way. Do you think you have what it takes to kind of judge, you know, judges down? The, I know I've asked this before, Robert Clark Chan, but you know Ray Stacanus. You know him way before he even came on the Who Would Win show. Mm-hmm. I know you want to give him a loss, but I'm actually, you know, hoping you can judge this down the middle and be very, very neutral in this. Is there a chance of that happening? I haven't actually checked the numbers, but I think I actually, I, I'm somewhere in the realm of like 50 50 for y'all because i enjoy hurting ray when when his detroit lions lost to my seattle seahawks the the crowing was intense it was painful and ray was weeping weeping tears of sorrow but that being said i can't do anything other than see this from a purely logical perspective because uh, this sort of thing is important to me. Like I, I, I feel like the the best thing you can do in this life is to take a very unserious thing and be super serious about it. That's so fair. That's true. I will, no I will call it right down the middle. All right. I mean, we haven't had a battle this epic really since McDonald's versus Burger King, another classic that you judge very, very well, by the way. All right, let's just get to it. This is going to be insane, but let's see what happens. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the evil dead, the slayer who got banned from Broadway because he kept giving a hand at the end of the shows, Ash Williams. And representing aliens. The creature with more eggs than an Alabama Waffle House, the Xenomorph Queen. That's a lot of eggs right there. It's a lot of eggs. That's Why does an eggs. Alabama Waffle House have more eggs than like a Connecticut Waffle House? You know, you I was debating which state to use from the South. Mississippi mm-hmm. might have been a better choice, but mm-hmm. I went with Alabama. Maybe, maybe Mississippi is a funnier word. 
But you know what, though, guys? Uh, in all seriousness, and I know this from experience, you don't get a better Waffle House than you do in Georgia. Just putting that out there. And wow. they also have lots of eggs. I feel Not like Georgia's the correct though. answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I'm going to yeah. have to ding you a point for that one, Ray. Uh, yeah. Georgia Waffle House, not a good button on the joke. It's got to be multisyllabic. <clears throat> like two I'll ta- I'll take, syllables? Like I'll take four. Words, Alabama. Not often. That's four syllables. That's good. Mississippi. You got to use the big words to really punctuate the Waffle House. You know, one time I was driving by Waffle House and the W had shorted out on the sign. So it was the Awful House and uh, it still fit. No, that's right. It still is exactly the right description. Okay. All right. Well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, look, I know there's a certain version we all love, but there's actually a comic book version of Ash Williams as well. And I'm sure many other types of versions. What version of Ash Williams will you be using today? I do have a certain affinity for the Ash Williams from the comic books who went up against Freddy and Jason. I believe I may actually own those issues, and I'm a big fan. There isn't a huge Army of Darkness comic book world. That said, if I didn't take Ash Williams with the canon movie and television version of the character, I don't know that I could sleep at night. I think that's a great call. I'll be using the uh, traditional version of the Xenomorph that we saw in the films, all the films, because they vary a little bit. No, we'll stay within, I guess, regular Aliens versus Predator that ties into the original Aliens film. So they're all basically the same capability and what have you. So we'll use the movie version of the Xenomorph. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Perfect. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give less weight that's interesting i won't actually use these because there's a lot of like aliens versus superman aliens versus batman and then in mark not going there at this time trust me not going to go there rule number five the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death submission or battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed and finally rule number six the judge the final arbiter can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or establish logic and before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win shirts and merch. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. 
I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Ash Williams. Ash Williams is the demon-fighting protagonist from the Evil Dead franchise. He was created by Sam Raimi and played immaculately by Bruce Campbell. And he first appeared in the movie The Evil Dead back in 1981. Now, The Evil Dead tells the story of the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, roughly translated as the Book of the Dead. Once the incantations from the book are spoken out loud, evil spirits are brought into our world that deceive, terrorize, and eventually murder the living. Ash Williams has survived multiple encounters with this evil uh, at a cabin in the woods, and he even took the evil back with him to fight it in medieval England. Later, he took on a demon fighting team in an effort to end its power once and for all. Now, Ash is a terrific fighter, wielding his boomstick shotgun, and he also has a chainsaw for a hand. He was also named the greatest horror movie character of all time by Empire Magazine back in 2013. Fun fact. Now, everyone knows that Ash is actually short for Ashley, which could be argued is sort of a more feminine name. Ash, however, is a robust and manly character, such as the duality of this man himself. But do you know what Ash's middle name is? I'll cut right to the chase. His middle name is Joanna. Yeah, Joanna. I'm a reasonably big fan of Evil Dead, and up until this moment, I had no idea that his middle name was Joanna on top of his first name being Ashley. We are having fun here. Anyway, that is Ash Williams. You're not going to lie. Joanna is like a very powerful name. I've known uh, quite a few Joannas, you know, in my time. And they all kick ass. So that kind of makes sense. That's, you know, his, his middle name. I love it. I mean, Cool and the Gang sang it best when they sang Joanna. Was that about Ash? Maybe? I, I don't know. I hope so. I think so. All right. Well, then right it now, could have been. And <laughs> I, I think it was. All right. Here are the details for the Xenomorph Queen. The Xenomorph Queen is a terrifying yet fascinating figure within the alien science fiction franchise, serving as the matriarch and central hive mind of the Xenomorph species. Created by James Cameron, the Queen made her first appearance in the 1986 film Aliens, the sequel to Ridley Scott's 1979 movie Alien. 
The queen's physical design is both menacing and intricate, featuring an elongated head, a complex exoskeleton, and a powerful tail. Her primary role within the xenomorph colony is to lay eggs, which in turn produce the facehuggers, initiating the horrific life cycle of the species. The character of the xenomorph queen has captured the imagination of audiences and critics alike, contributing significantly to the horror and suspense elements that make the Aliens franchise a cornerstone in both the science fiction and horror genres. Yes, I wrote all of that, by the way. I am that, that great with words. And here's an interesting fact about Aliens. Did you know that, that an iconic jump scare moment in the original film wasn't revealed to the actors on set until it actually happened while filming? It's true. One of the most iconic moments in sci-fi movie history is the appearance of the chestburster towards the end of Alien's first act way back in the day. When the larva-like creature burst out of Kane's chest, it not only disgusted and frightened countless audience members, but the cast as well. See, in a jump scare completely unknown to the rest of the crew outside of John Hurt, the chestburster effect garnered real reactions from the grossed-out crew. Ron Chusette, produ a producer and screenwriter, said really didn't tell the cast. They're just going to see it, and in an instant... Alien became iconic because of that scene. Again, none of the other actors knew what the heck was happening, and boom, it comes out. So all of her reactions are absolutely legit. At is Filmmaking 101. And now you have the facts in both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? I have no questions. I do have some statements, though. Uh -oh. uh, I am looking forward to this because I do love Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Love Ash Williams. My mother took me to see Alien in the theater when I was five years old, thinking that I would fall asleep because it was dark and I usually fell asleep in the theater, but I woke up uh, as the alien was m mowing down on some human being or whatever, and it uh, scarred me, and it made me the person that does podcasts now. So This explains so, so much. It A significant percentage of it, yeah, yeah. Also, I did notice that both of you said that you will not be using... Uh, any non-movie feats, and even though the rules say that you can use crossover stuff, but it will be given less weight, uh, since you have both said that you will not be drawing on any of these outside sources, I will be penalizing you hard if I hear you straying. Now, to be fair, you I know said, that you do that. Robert Clark Chan, you said non-movie feats. I would argue Ash versus Evil Dead is a television show, and I will be drawing uh, from it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I if I hear you talking clear. comic books, oh, if wow. I hear you oh, say wow. anything about that, the one time he kicked Freddy in the nards, I am dinging you hard. That's all I'm going to say. First thing I want to talk about is how he fought the reanimator in comic books and Done. defeated... Oh, James no. wins. Oh, thank you. Six in a I, row. I that's I'd brutal. like to thank the Academy. All right, here we go. Okay, Ray. You've dug yourself quite the hole in the past few weeks. Let's see if you can dig your way out. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Ash Williams. Let's just talk about what a supreme fighter he is. Because an alien queen has ex has been defeated in several different alien properties. Now, they were once defeated by a predator. And we could all agree that these predators are very, very good fighters with great technology. They know who they're fighting with ahead of time knowledge and all that good stuff. And that's great. But in the alien movies, it could be argued very well that the alien queens were defeated by people who were not necessarily combat specialists were people who were just flailing about trying to figure out something that worked as much as i love the character of ripley uh she was not like on the security team she was not part of like the marines right she was uh just a a, a crew member on the ship itself and that's important you look at who uh, ash fights on a day-to-day -day basis he is fighting demons possessed deadites 
monsters. We'll talk about that a little bit more in my point number two, but just the whole idea of, and I saw it a lot online of, you know, oh, Ash is in trouble here. And I'm like, well, was Ripley in trouble in the original Alien or Aliens movies? No, she in fact won those movies at the end of the day. And I think Ash could defeat Ripley. Therefore, we're in a good place. Now let's talk about his combat. Because of course he has his iconic weapons. The uh, double barrel Remington, the boomstick shotgun is going to help him very, very strongly at close range. Lest we forget, I believe he also sawed off the end of it which means that if he does happen to get into a mid-range type of a battle, he's going to be able to put a lot of damage on in a lot of different places on the Xenomorph Queen. And we do know the Xenomorph Queen does feel pain. The Xenomorph Queen does bleed. It can be defeated that way. Not to mention the fact that he has his chainsaw. And I know, James, you're going to bring up a point, but I'm going to let you do it instead of setting the table for you. But the chainsaw that Ash wields is at a master class level. He does things with the chainsaw that absolutely cannot be done in the physical world. We're talking about when a, an alien head poked itself through the doorway in Evil Dead 2, and he took it, he rammed it into that demon's eye, shooting the, the black icor all over the place and hurting a demonic force with a chainsaw, not to mention all the dismemberment, right? He, he cuts the pieces off of it one after another. The alien queen is great. Is the alien queen going to be as, as rough missing its legs? Is it going to be as tough missing its arms? Because that's what he does before eventually decapitating whoever he, whoever he faces. And I know the alien has an exoskeleton, but I've seen Ash with his chainsaw cut through way tougher than that. He's also shockingly fast. Uh, he outran the Kandarian demon, you know, the camera that follows him. He outran that demon on foot multiple times. That demon has caught up to him on horseback. It's also caught up to a moving car before. I'm just trying to say Ash has some sort of supernatural level speed because he was able to outrun the demon. Also, he's mentally strong. He endured two days in the cabin with basically no sleep, no food, no water, and had to fight monsters and demons the entire time. When it comes to a protracted battle, Ash is ready. He's also extremely tough. He drank scalding water to kill this mini-me that jumped down his throat. He also, in a graveyard, got attacked by skeletons and grabbed and pulled in his face and punched repeatedly. In Ash vs. Evil Dead, he was hit by a trombone and took drumsticks up the nose, uh, which hurts quite a bit. And he also has toughness because, and I sandbag this, he cut off his own hand with a chainsaw. The sheer willpower it takes to be able to bring yourself to do that, even when it's infected by evil spirits, is enormous. When it comes to take a little to give a lot, that's Ash Williams in a nutshell. Last thing to talk about, he's a master at using the environment. Uh, the alien queen being sort of more of an animalistic intelligence, uh, as far as combat goes, isn't necessarily using leg locks in the environment to its advantage. Ash understands those things. The alien queen does not. At one point, he used a harp to slice a deadite into several pieces. Ash versus Evil Dead is a show among shows. He absolutely can keep the alien queen at a certain range and use the environment to win this battle. And that's my point. Number one. Oh, I, I really, really hate saying anything against Ash Williams. Cause this, this, wow. He's iconic. Right, well, He's amazing. On to point number one then. All right. For my point number one, I'm going to start with my rebuttal of race point number one. Look, Ash is a great brawler. I'd say he's almost like a, a quasi-scientific brawler, but the problem is he takes a lot of punishment, and that's going to be a problem in this fight. More on that later. You know, remember when the exoskeleton fought Ripley, it wasn't just Ripley by herself. She was kind of wearing, I don't know, a super powerful 
exoskeleton that was helping out quite a you know great deal kind of was her uh, equalizer shotguns and chainsaws they may do some damage but they're not really going to be taking out an alien queen we saw in predator aliens versus predator a predator was like doing all these crazy things to a regular xenomorph who was able to tank all that stuff and still take out the very large predator as well and we're talking about a queen the kandorian demon one of my favorite things about the uh, evil dead franchise yeah he can outrun it but i've actually seen people do a brisk walk to outrun it or outwalk it. So I'm not really counting that as good a uh, speed feat. And using their environment, look, Ash Williams is great at that, no no doubt. But the Xenomorph Queen, Xenomorphs are known to blend into their environment and to use stealth, blend in with the shadows and what have you. They are great at this. They don't just appear out of nowhere, but they do seemingly do that because, again, their stealth is just on that level. Now, let me get to my point number one. And for my point number one, let's discuss the pure, insane physicality of a Xenomorph Queen. Now, standing somewhere between... 20 feet tall, probably 15 feet tall, weighing about 10 tons. The Xenomorph Queen may be the most destructive, pure biological creature ever in the history of sci-fi, possibly horror. In terms of pure strength, the Xenomorph Queen is able to push at least 30 tons worth of force. And the reason I'm saying that is at least because based off of feats from films and video games, it's more likely the Queen is way, way, way stronger, but definitely at base level of 30 tons. She's got an extra pair of arms, so the Queen has two pairs of arms, one large and one small. This gives her increased strength and dexterity, so she can fight with them, fight off multiple opponents or fight in multiple directions and she's better equipped at fighting one enemy grabbing them and using the arms to tear apart just some horrible stuff she's also got that huge head crest that extends rewards rewards from her skull and this is used to protect her head from an attack uh to intimidate her opponents and if i were ash i'd actually be really really intimidated by you know something that looks like that now this is going to be a key factor in this fight the xenomorph queen has that really thick durable exoskeleton super resistant to damage this makes her difficult to kill even with heavy weaponry. In fact, we don't actually ever see her go down from gunfire. She can tank pretty much any type of explosion, gunfire, physical punishment you can throw at her. On top of that, we've seen her get impaled and not really slow down. Heck, a Xenomorph Queen can survive underwater and in the vacuum of space. This thing's durable. Now, her size alone would give her a substantial reach advantage. That's kind of cool. But her exoskeleton is built to withstand, you know, anything that's really going to be coming at her. In terms of speed, the Xenomorph Queen is incredibly fast despite her large size. She can move... Again, this is according to terms from the movie. She moves at speeds up to 60 miles per hour, and she can react to threats even faster. Keep in mind that Spider-Man's top speed is 65 miles per hour. I just like throwing in Spider-Man feats because I know Race Against loves them. Uh, you know, this makes the Xenomorph Queen really difficult to avoid or outrun. Now, the Xenomorph Queen's got claws that are long, incredibly sharp and powerful, made of the same material of her exoskeleton. She can tear into things. That's not a problem. They're so strong, they can actually help her climb up walls somewhat. She's not as good of a climber as a regular smaller Xenomorph. Xenomorph, she can do it. The Queen can also be stealthy. I talked about that before. She's really scary because she can appear from out of nowhere and be quiet, then all of a sudden just unleash herself in a hellish way. And let's talk about her tail. Now, the tail isn't super strong. It's able to actually support her weight and even to propel her through the air. This makes it a valuable tool for both offense and defense, obviously. The tail's also flexible. She can use it to reach around corners and strike at enemies from unexpected angles. This makes her even more dangerous and unpredictable, at least in my opinion. And the blade at the tip of her tail is sharp enough to cut through super strong metal. In fact, it can rip through the hull of a spaceship, which we saw in the movie Alien Resurrection when the Xenomorph Queen uses her tail to cut through the metal hull of the ship named the Auriga, I believe. Fun fact, her tail is so strong. I already mentioned that part. Look, to say the Xenomorph Queen has a physical advantage and is unlike anything Ash has fought before would be an understatement. And I haven't even gotten to the really good parts about the Xenomorph Queen yet. All of that is my point number one. I mean, that's fine. Uh, you want to argue that the Queen is bigger? Uh, queens are like, what, 15 feet big? Of course, Ash is like six foot one. The Queen is going to be bigger. The Queen is going to be stronger. Uh, faster, 
I, I think I think that's a little bit more debatable, but we can get into the nuts and bolts of that. The thing is, Ash fights things that are bigger and stronger than him five times before breakfast and always comes out on top. So when the argument comes to be it's very strong, well, these demons could literally grab a human being by the forehead, lift them in the air, and launch them 50 feet across the room. I, I think the alien queens can also do, Ash doesn't lose to them either. Now, you hear that, Sham? Did you hear what James did? Bringing a Spider-Man feat into this that sounds like a comic book extrapolation to me and therefore he must must be dinged a point in your decision the other thing i want to talk about is is a uh, ripley was in fact wearing that uh, forklift she was wearing a futuristic forklift that had no front protection for most of her entire torso and leg area and yet somehow the alien queen didn't have uh, or the alien at least didn't have the presence of mind to stab it in the head, which was open. Stab it in the chest, which was open. Stab it anywhere that would have actually hurt. Instead, it kept attacking the arms. And that speaks to the lack of fighting knowledge that these aliens have. They attack where they are. They attack their enemies where they are strongest, which is why the predators are able to beat them so mercilessly. I love all these points. Again, I'm pulling for Ash Williams to do to be represented well. And Ray, I actually think you're doing a great job with it so far, even though it's falling short of the Xenomorph Queen. Just my opinion. But let's check in with our judge, Robert Clark Chan. Robert, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Look, it doesn't take much to turn me against Ray, but it pleases me so much more when he does it to himself. Basically, what I heard from this first point was Ash's good. Uh, he's going to use leg locks on the alien queen and possibly a harp uh, versus, um, I don't know. Yeah, okay, uh, the Spider-Man thing was a little bit of an unnecessary comparison, but I'll allow it. Uh, we're not saying that uh, the, the alien queen has never beat Spider-Man. Uh, for the most part, uh, Ray, you were bringing up Ash's physicals, and physicals is absolutely going to be dominated by the alien queen. There's no question. Obviously, this is part of a strategy, so... It's fine that you're way, way, way behind right now. Uh, I hope I hope you have enough to uh, catch up later, though. We'll see. Wow. Okay. Out of the gate, somehow, Ray is already behind, and I'm ahead. Let's see how this battle continues. Ray, hit us with your point number two. Chain, I think you misunderstood my points entirely, which is the only reason I would be behind right now. It's twofold. One, Ash physically, and I, I conceded this, is weaker than the alien queen, but he can create a damage output that far exceeds his natural abilities and size, please. And second off, the harp example shows environmental damage. It shows how Ash can take normal things in an environment and do brutally gory and horrific things with them, which is going to be important in this battle. I think if common everyday items like a harp can, can absolutely shred a Kandarian demon or a deadite, of course he can take common items and do illogical things with them against an alien queen. Now, let's talk a little bit more here about Ash. He has a very, very high IQ. Despite the fact that he works at S-Mart in the sporting goods department, this man is an absolute genius with a high IQ. This is a guy who went back in time, realized there was an army of skeletons, demons, etc., about to invade this castle, and in a very short period of time, trained up every conscript villager to be a formidable fighting force against an army of darkness, if you will. That, that takes a lot. He, that shows a great knowledge of combat, fighting, and tactics, and it worked. 
He also has the scientific knowledge to rebuild an Oldsmobile Delta 88 and turn it into the Deathmobile with a set of blades on the front of it. This is a guy who can absolutely, and I mean, he has access to these cars as well, but on the fly, this is a guy who can use science to his advantage. Important. He also, may I mention it, built himself a robotic uh, prosthetic hand in medieval times using medieval techniques. He built himself something that would not be fully functioning in the year 2023. We don't have Bucky Barnes arms in real life. He built it on the fly in medieval times. So this is a guy who can absolutely create an event, whatever he needs to, in order to win the battle. And let's talk about that battle because he fought an entire army of the dead with a whole bunch of people who quite frankly, didn't want to be there. They knew what they had to do and they were doing the best they could. And he trained them up much like, well, I won't say it. Captain America. I said it crap. Now me and James are one-on-one in the comic book references, but he trained them up to make them a so much better fighting force. Than they were And this army involved the uh, skeletons, both uh, real life and CGI. Incredible. He fought in evil harpies, these winged gargoyle creatures like out of Wizard of Oz that swoop down and grab people and fly away. He fight, of course, deadites as well, which are sort of like an undead zombie possessed kind of a thing. He also fought evil Sheila, which was his alleged girlfriend turned into an evil spirit and also the evil version of himself, evil Ash, a horribly disfigured and scarred. Why? Because Ash shot him in the face with a shotgun when they first met absolutely, and was able to best this character in swordplay as well. And not to mention Ash versus Evil Dead. He fought all kinds of monsters there, but just real quick, he fought demonic intestines. He had to search bodies in a morgue to find what he needed, and some of those bodies were possessed by deadites, and he had to fight miles upon miles of demonic intestines attacking him. And I'm sorry, but if you could overwin a battle against undead demonic intestines, I think that it's a walk in the park to go against something as horrific as an alien queen when you're being attacked by intestines. I mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again. Dismemberment. Dismemberment is an important thing that Ash does in most of all of his battles and most all of his combats. He's hacking off limbs. He's hacking off pieces. And when he do that to an alien queen, they feel pain. The animalistic side will take over and it will not necessarily want to, uh, it'll want to protect the egg, sure but it will not want to fight Ash anymore when it starts losing limbs. Important distinction to make. And that is my point number two. Okay, look, I I love, I mean, I I smile and laugh and I'll use this word, relish the times that I got to watch Ash just do what he does and just wreck everything the way Ash Williams does. Again, I don't know if I've mentioned this, I'm a huge fan of Ash Williams. He's also a national treasure on the same level as Robert Clark Chan. And unfortunately, I got to push back a little bit on some of the stuff you said, Ray. Now, I wouldn't say he's got a high IQ necessarily. I do think he has a high, what's that term? Fight IQ, where he can understand how to fight something pretty quickly. But even then, he has to have some kind of reference to what it is he's fighting, like a starting point. And the Xenomorph Queen, the Alien Queen, is something really, really different from a Deadite or what have. You. Uh, on top of that, the robotic hand, by the way, insanely impressive. Never mind the way he created it, when he did it, the resources he had. 
But again, he had to have resources. He had to have time. It wasn't like he was in the middle of the battle and within as he's fighting something, he found the resources and wielded it all together. No, this is not that type of fight. He's not going to have a chance to build something that substantial if an arm or leg gets ripped off, which it might, by the way. The skeletons, the deadites, you know, demonic intestines and inside places that are attacking him. All, again, very impressive. That's a wide array. But all of those pale in comparison, not just with this alien queen and what the alien queen can do, but even the inside places of the alien queen, which I'll talk about in a second, are way more dangerous than these demonic intestines or inside places that Ash Williams had to fight. Now, let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, let's go over some of the fun things the Xenomorph Queen brings to this battle that will be too much for Ash Williams, comma, unfortunately. Now, let's talk about that mandible jaw. That's that smaller jaw within the Xenomorph Queen's mouth. It's a secondary set of jaws that's located right there up close. It's a long, thin appendage that's tipped with a row of super sharp teeth. And the inner jaw is capable of extending at high speed with great force. It's kind of like a, almost like a, a, a boxing glove behind a beard. And it's often used by that Xenomorph Queen to deliver a killing blow to her prey. So if Ash gets too close, you know, that's where the Xenomorph Queen can just grab him and just kind of pull him in. Something that has happened to him before where he gets in close with Deadites or what have you. And that happens with the Xenomorph Queen. She's going to deliver that killing blow to her head just by extending that, uh, that 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 mandible thing. It's really, really cool. Uh, you know, some of the fun things about it too, that mandible jaw has actually been able to break through and pierce easily the armor, the helmet armor of a predator, which is insanely tough and very, very powerful. It can take shot, well, gunfire as well. And that mandible jaw just pierced right through it. Again, last time I checked, Ash isn't wearing a helmet. Maybe he should, by the way. But just in general, he's not wearing any armor. This is going to be a bad thing for him. Now, in terms of pure intelligence, the Xenomorph Queen's also incredibly intelligent, different than Ash Williams' fight IQ, by the way. Now, she's able to learn and adapt to new situations very quickly. She's able to communicate with her drones, coordinate their attacks. And while that won't be a factor in this fight, it does show that she can understand and evaluate her enemies and make some plans. This makes her really, really dangerous, by the way. In the film Aliens, the Xenomorph Queen learns about the Colonial Marines' weapons and tactics very quickly at least how to deal with them. And she uses this knowledge to her advantage to ambush them at different times. She's also able to outsmart, outsmart the Colonial Marines a couple of times from the traps at school. Now, Ash has many things, but being super smart and an amazing tactician, not really two things to apply in room. And in this fight, the Xenomorph may actually be able to outsmart Ash because she may actually be the smarter of the two in all the ways that count in this particular battle. Here's another big set of factors for the Xenomorph Queen. It's her fighting style and determination. So the Xenomorph Queen is born with a set of instincts, right? Kind of like an insect. And I don't know if that's actually accurate. It's, she's kind of born with a set of information, very detailed information. She immediately has an understanding of how to use her physical abilities, you know, any natural weaponry she has. She's also born with a unique fighting style. And on top of that, the, the alien queen is able to learn from mistakes. I already mentioned that, adapt to her tactics from her opponents. She's also able to exploit her opponent's weaknesses. This is cool. Add to all of that the, the fact that, you know, the Xenomorph Queen has a, I'm going to say it, a Captain America level of determination to go after its target. Look, I'm not actually sure who goes after the targets in a more determined way. Captain America, Jason Voorhees, or the Alien Queen might actually be the Alien Queen. See, this battle is going to go on possibly for a while, and I can see lots of bloodshed on both sides, which will be a very, very big problem for Ash. You, you knew I was going to say it, because we all know the Xenomorph Queen has very powerful acidic blood. In fact, it's acidic blood, which is one of the most, if not the most powerfully corrosive substances in the Alien and Predator franchises. It's a crazy powerful thing. We've seen the Alien blood dissolve through the hulls of spaceships, dissolve the armor of space marines and Predators, rapidly and horrifically eat away at human flesh in the most painful way imaginable, 
cool, disgusting, and still cool. But here's where things get interesting. The Xenomorph actually, the queen can actually weaponize her blood even further. In Alien vs. Predator, the alien had the sharp part of its tail cut off by the Predator. Instead of escaping or retreating, the alien simply pointed its tail at the Predator and started shooting the blood in powerful bursts, which is something the Xenomorph Queen can do with more power, more volume, and from a greater range. Remember, it's a bigger tail and a bigger body. And if that was enough, they can also spit out their acid out of their mouth if need be. And what makes this all the more frightening is the Xenomorphs seem to already know that their blood is highly corrosive and deadly. Like, they already kind of know this. In Alien Resurrection, we saw where a bunch of aliens were trapped in the cell, and they all kind of ganged up on one particular alien, killed it, in order for the blood to start coming out and eating out the floor so they had a method to escape. See, this is really, really crazy. The moment Ash shoots the Xenomorph, uses a chainsaw, does anything to cause it to bleed, there's a really great chance some of that acidic blood gets on him in a little way or a big way and starts literally burning through his clothes, gun, and body and eating him alive. All of that is my point number two. Yeah, all right. Yeah, look, the alien is tough. I knew the acid blood was going to come into it eventually, but you're going to pretend that Ash Williams is not high IQ? He created a hand that rivals Bucky Barnes the Winter Soldier with a blacksmith's forge in medieval England in like an hour and a half. You're going to sit here and tell me he's only combat smart? That is an outrageous statement. He also has phenomenal reaction time. When an attack is coming in on him, he is able to dodge and move out of the way a lot faster than you think he would be able to. So when the alien comes in with that, you know, money shot with the with the mouth with inside a mouth that it starts sticking out, Ash is just going to remember what happened to the pit when the demon came at him with his arm extended. He's just going to flick his chainsaw and he's going to cut that mouth with the mouth right off and dismember it easily because the alien likes to play with its food, for lack of a better term. And he's always also prepared for a battle with demons. He does not walk around without his shotgun and chainsaw and everything else he uses somewhere nearby that he can access because he's lived decade after decade of constantly being attacked by Kandarian demons. He is always prepared for battle, even when he's not. He always has his items nearby. Just keep that in mind. And last question, has an alien queen survived a movie it's been in ever? Ever? Has an alien queen appeared on film and made it to the end of the film alive? or at least not gravely or about to die wounded? The answer is, near as I can remember, no. They're always left floating in space, hanging at the bottom of an ocean, or otherwise smashed and destroyed. Ash Williams never gets defeated in that way. He's alive and kicking and victorious at the end of every single one of his properties. Well, I think you just answered your own question, Ray. So if they're, even though like the alien's out in space, it's still alive. And the other one that got dragged down into the ocean, still alive. Needs to breathe though. And it's not breathing in space or at the bottom of an ocean. That has been, that has been already discussed at length and aliens need to breathe. They cannot survive I, in the va- pocket of space. Actually, the first alien movie proved they can survive in space. All right, listen. Not forever. We are at the, well, forever's a long time. We are at the turning point. Feels how long Robert, it's been since I won a battle here. I know, it's crazy. But before we get to what Robert has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we have a very, very special patron. We are going to go with Delvin Cox. He's back in the seat, everybody. Good luck. 
Uh, Delvin Cox, you know, one of the smartest, if not the smartest person on the internet. Okay, let's have him go up against a tech-based individual who is also kind of insane. Let's have Delvin Cox fight Inspector Gadget. Delvin Cox versus Inspector Gadget. Now, the big thing about this is, does Inspector Gadget even know that a fight is going on? A lot of the times he is very defensive in a way that protects him but he's not exactly the most offensive capable. I know that you made some argument in the Inspector Gadget battle that he's like a, a murderous killer, but I don't believe that iteration. I don't believe anything about that. Now, Delvin Cox is, is a very, very intelligent man, and he is going to have a plan in place, despite the fact that he has no prior knowledge. He's going to see Inspector Gadget. I believe within two seconds, he's going to know his deal. And so Delvin Cox is going to do an Inspector Gadget voice when Inspector Gadget comes over, he's going to see him saying, go, go, Gadget Copter, go, go, Gadget, you know, flamethrower, whatever the heck he's doing. And all of a sudden, Inspector Gadget's going to have Delvin Cox ready to land that punch. Somehow he's in this battle and he knows what's going on. Delvin Cox says, go, go, Gadget roller skates. And unfortunately, we all know Inspector Gadget can't control his motion when those pop out. So he's going to roll off the battle. Battlefield removing himself. This episode is about breaking streaks. Delvin Cox, you got the win. Unbelievable. But you know what? Delvin Cox, again, the smartest person on the internet, would have already figured out a plan, would have already pre-planned for the inevitable. You know, so he's already won this before this fight even takes place. Well done, Delvin. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. You've had a moment to ponder two points for both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? All right, this was... A lot closer. Round one was very much a blowout. This round, uh, you're leaning on Ash's intelligence, which, yeah, yeah, he is he is awfully intelligent. Not even just at the, the level of base cunning, which is sort of assumed and made a strong case that he's even more cunning than that. But also, I had forgotten that, like, he built that hand out of nothing, and that is, that's super impressive. The alien is smart no doubt, uh, on that level of cunning and the cunning kind of approaches, but the tech angle of it really lifts Ash above that. Then you brought in the acidic blood, though, and the the number of times uh, that Ray has brought up that, uh, well, Ash is just going to chop something off. Every single time I was like, but the blood? So there's the blood there, and that's... That's pretty significant. If you're going to win this, Ray, I'm absolutely going to have to hear how you deal with that blood. For the number of times I have written down that you have talked about bits being cut off, because every one of those is going to turn into a negative on your side. James, that plot armor argument is pretty strong. The queen is the bad guy in these movies and pretty much always loses so uh, you're, you're going to have to uh, sell me on a situation in which, you know, this uh, alien queen actually defeats someone who has defeated armies of darkness. She is most definitely a, a, an army of one uh, unto herself of darkness. So, yeah, let's see. Let's see how this uh, last round goes. So what I'm hearing is that I'm, again, very, very far ahead. But that Ray is still somehow in this battle, which is exactly where I want this fight to be. All right, Ray, it all comes down to this. If this point doesn't actually hit its mark, it's six losses in a row. Let's see what you got. Hit us your point number three.
point number three for Ash Williams, and this is the thing, is Ash doesn't always rely on the rules of physics in the battles of the Evil Dead. The Alien Queen is very, very much like the, the Alien Queen gets sucked into space when the airlock opens. There's no, there's no getting around that. So I would argue that as far as uh, physicals go, the Alien is tied to reality, but Ash is most definitely not. And that's reflected in the fact that he uses common household items for gory murder. I mentioned the harp earlier. Let's not forget he's able to decapitate monsters with a shovel. He's able to pick up a 200-pound railroad tie and, like, wield it and, like, smash monsters with it, not to mention the chainsaw, shotgun, etc. He is a master of his environment. The acid blood is a big deal. I think the acid blood uh, might actually... He's going to either notice it affect the environment or he's going to get a little tiny bit of it somewhere on his body when he hacks off the first thing. I don't think it's going to douse him to the point where he'd be defeated. That's just not how battles with Ash ever work. He's going to see that this is something he needs to protect himself with. And keep in mind, objects around him don't obey the natural laws of physics. So could I absolutely see a case where he picks up like a lamp or a curtain off the wall and he's able to somehow like wrap his arm in it? So the acid blood is able to hit the thing in his hand or the thing that he's wrapped up in and he throws it away before the acid blood could actually cause him real damage. Yes. Do I think he's going to suffer some acid blood damage throughout the battle? Sure. I also don't think that's anything that would keep Ash Williams from completing his goals. I also want to point out a couple other things. His pinpoint precision with the shotgun. He has a sawed off shotgun. He was across a courtyard from the king in the castle of army of darkness and shot it and blew his sword in half from a great distance away. Again, doesn't always rely on the natural laws of physics. That move should never have worked, but yet it clearly did. So he could pinpoint that inside he placed the mouth of the alien queen and get some pinpoint precision shotgun shots when he needed to from a distance. Also, I think the hand is important. If he gets acid blood on the hand, it might, you know, hurt the hand, but it's not going to hurt him. So I could see a situation where he punches a hole in the alien queen and rips out an important vital organ. The acid blood is a factor. It would probably melt the hand, sure, but it wouldn't affect and hurt Ash in any way because that limb is already missing. And, and things he's done in his battles. He got dropped into the pit and he was able to defeat multiple monsters and demons down there and escape his way. He beat an army of the dead led by an evil version of himself. And I mentioned the Deathmobile earlier. If he has access to the Deathmobile against an alien queen, we've already seen what trouble the alien queen had against a, a basically a forklift, a forklift that wasn't designed to kill an alien queen, but the Deathmobile, it's right there in the name. It's got blades on it, it's protected, and it's a way that he could absolutely maul the alien queen without having to get too close as well. But let's talk about one of the important things here is the Necronomicon ex mortis itself. He's always going to have it nearby. And by the events of Ash versus evil dead, he knows how to use it. Couple of things that the Necronomicon can do. He could use a mirrored surface to create a duplicate of an enemy that he is fighting. It happened obviously in the windmill scene in army of darkness. And it's also happened in Ash versus evil dead as well. So he could, be with his knowledge and his IQ, hold up a mirror, use the Book of the Dead to get the alien queen in the mirror, and spawn a second alien queen that would then fight the other alien queen. They wear each other down to the point where Ash can come up with his boomstick chainsaw and cut the head off 
the alien queen that he needs to kill. Why not? But more importantly, he can open portals to other times and worlds and dimensions using the Necronomicon. Let's not forget, at the end of Evil Dead 2, he beat the demon and sent it back in time using the Necronomicon to open a portal. And if an airlock could suck the alien queen out, the portal from Evil Dead 2 could do the same thing. And that's not even mentioning the idea that he could just smash the environment and drop it on the queen's head because he is a master of environment. The queen might be ripping out support beams. I'm just saying, wouldn't know whether that would do anything, but Ash would absolutely know. So at the end of the day, you got one guy who always wins, who doesn't have to stick to the laws of physics, who has a magic book that will suck the alien away. And you got this poor, sad alien queen going down in defeat, who always loses and has to stick to general physics properties. This should be a no contest decision in Ash's favor. And that's my point number three. You know, I don't know if I agree with the term like like physics don't apply. I think he's got uh, enhanced physics where he can use something in a way where it shouldn't work, but it does just better than it would in the regular world. But the problem is even if you use that uh, like a shovel, a railroad tie, or even a shotgun that's like magnified by a time and a half or twice as powerful as it is, that's still not going to slow down just a regular alien queen as it is if it just stood still. It's just not powerful enough to take it out. Now, the acid blood, by the way, it's super fast acting. So we saw this in the Aliens movie where the uh, colonial marine shot the alien in its mouth. Boom. The blood came all over him and immediately started eating through the metal, the some of the kind of cool body armor it had and his skin like immediately and it really screwed him up. This is not something, if he even lets it get on him for a little bit, any part of him, it's automatically destroyed, not going to be using it. Uh, let's see. He actually has limited ammo for his shotgun. This is a fun fact. In the Ash versus the Evil Dead series, which I recommend for everyone, uh, this time his shotgun actually can run out of ammo. So he's got limited ammo to use, whereas in the films, it's a little bit more comical, I guess, the use, where he doesn't really have to reload a whole lot. So, But in this iteration, the most recent one, he does have to reload and he can run out of ammo. And the Necronomicon, listen, the Alien Queen's not, it's the same thing like saying, well, he can build another hand during this fight. The Alien Queen doesn't let up. If they're facing off against each other and the Alien Queen goes in for the attack, that's it. They're, the Alien Queen's not going to let up and be like, go ahead, read your book, use your book to do cool things, do some, no, 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 no. The Alien Queen's grabbing onto him and tearing Ash apart immediately that's its mo that's what it does now let me get to my point number three and in my point number three look i'm just gonna start off by saying this i mentioned before who doesn't love ash williams ash williams is one of the greatest if not the greatest hero in all of horror and again that's why i hate what i'm about to do so just in case bruce campbell's listening to it bruce you're amazing everything you do especially as ash williams and i'm really sorry Hopefully we meet someday and everything's cool between us. Anyway, so as great as Ash is, he's got some glaring weaknesses. First of all, he is very human, maybe enhanced somewhat like a Dom Toretto kind of thing, but he's still human. Uh, listen, he's got great weapons. He's got great experience. But at the end of the day, he, is he immune to the Xenomorph? queen's acidic blood super strength deadly tail the claws the small manifold mouth the answer is no he's not you know he's not durable and vulnerable to any of those things all those things can hurt him those are a lot of weapons he's also really really reckless and that recklessness has served him well sometimes but it's also that recklessness that you know made him read from the necromonicon to impress a woman you know at the beginning of the evil dead tv series and then doing that inadvertently release hell on earth you know small things like that and being reckless against the xenomorph queen that's only gonna get you killed that much faster He's also really fun, but really, really arrogant. 
How many times has he misread situations or thinks they're less dangerous than they really are, which brings him in his friends into disastrous situations? That is the, pretty much the epitome of every episode of Ash versus Evil Dead, which is why we love it. Look, he's going to see the xenomorph and think to himself, I've taken on worse things before. And then he's in for that really rude surprise. Also, his use of the Necronomicon, how do I say this? It's sketchy at best. Look, when he reads from it or tries to tap into his dark demonic magic, things go from bad to really, really bad real quick. If he tries to use to fight the Xenomorph Queen, he just may release more deadites and demons who the Xenomorph Queen may use, you know, use face huggers for, and then she hatches and pregnant, you know, they, they grab onto him, they impregnate the Xenomorphs to create a Xenomorph deadite hybrid that she controls. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen this thing, but I think I just made another amazing crossover event for a movie or a limited series. Just putting that out there. So here's how this fight is going to go down. They're going to face off. Ash Williams is going to rev his chainsaw arm, you know, and steady his shotgun. He's going to be ready for whatever he thinks the horror is coming towards him. And the queen shrieks loudly with a sound just kind of going crazy through the air. And sensing the threat she posed, Ash aims his shotgun, pulls the trigger, yelling groovy, of course. And then high-powered shells, you know, they, they actually hit the queen, but the exoskeleton just doesn't do much to her. And she just screams that much louder. Uh, Ash, you know, he's grinning momentarily, but then all of a sudden, you know, he thinks he's got the upper hand because, again, he's arrogant, he's reckless, and all of a sudden he sees all of that satisfaction was really short-lived. The wounded spots on the queen's body, if there even are wounds, start oozing acidic blood, which splattered onto Ash's shotgun, instantly corroding its barrel, rendering it useless. Even worse, something acid blood splashed onto Ash's arm, causing him to scream in pain, and he felt the corrosive substance eating through his flesh. His chainsaw arm was now compromised, his mechanical parts on his arm hissing and sputtering from the acid. Now, seizing the moment, because this is what the Xenomorph does, she doesn't waste time in a fight. She lashes out with a powerful tail, knocks Ash to the ground. He's incapacitated, he's disarmed. He somehow, though, because he's durable, gets back to his feet, searching for something, anything that can help him in this fight, Looking for that Necronomicon, trying to open up the pages, but before you can do anything, the Queen uses her long and powerful arms to grab Ash, bring him in close, where she lunges her inner mandible jaw towards him. Now, Ash, of course, is going to dodge. He's going to try to break free of the Queen's grip because, you know, he's resilient in this battle. And that's when it happens. From out of nowhere, from behind, the Queen's tail comes towards Ash at an impossible speed and impales him the same way it has Predators and everyone else in the movies. And after it impales him, lifts him up into the air towards her. And as Ash takes his final breath, he couldn't help but think how supremely ungroovy this all was. And that's just one way out of many that the Xenomorph beats Ash Williams. I hate saying it, but that's how it goes down. All that is my point number three. No shot whatsoever, James Gabsey. You're saying the Alien Queen doesn't let up under these circumstances? How do we possibly get that scene from the ads for uh, the Aliens movie with Ripley and then the mouth inside the mouth and she's all terrified? If he, if the Alien Queen just gets right to business and killing, that scene could never have happened. The Queen likes to, quote unquote, play with its food. And I absolutely think that that's what's going to be potentially the reason why Ash wins today. Because again, Ash loves the environmental attacks. Ash would see like a hanging thing of rocks and lure the alien in front of it. Maybe take a swipe, take a slash somewhere, because of course he will. He's going to be bloody at the end of this battle. And then he drops a gigantic load of trucks or cars or rocks, wherever the heck they're fighting. He's going to find something to drop on the alien's head, which could take it out right there. And even if it doesn't, we've got other answers here. Because the thing about Ash is he eliminates long-term problems by creating more long-term problems with short-term solutions. At the end of season one, spoiler alert for Ash versus Evil Dead, there's an alien force, Lucy Lawless, and it's taking over the world and it's creating this misery. 
And, and Lucy Lawless says, you know, give me what I want and I'll just stop and I'll let you guys go free. And Ash at the end of the day goes, okay, sounds good. And it gives her Lucy Lawless, even though he could have defeated and killed her right there, he gives her what she wants, creating much larger long-term implications, but in that moment created a short-term victory. I think that absolutely Ash will fight it. I think Ash will take an, a shot through the shoulder from that alien tail, be lifted up into the air, and Ash will be in trouble. And that's when Ash is going to be face-to-face with the alien queen. The mouth comes out. Chainsaw one way, kills the mouth. Chainsaw the second way, takes out the tail, dropping him. He grabs the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, reads the passage to open the portal. He's not going to worry about how tomorrow's going to go, because I think later on in the movie, a Deadite will take over the Alien Queen and come back in Act 3 to cause more trouble. But in this first example of a fight... Ash will not lose. He will get that alien sucked out like it was an airlock. And Ash Williams will win a first encounter against an alien queen. I just wish you were right. I want Ash to survive this fight. But I think what more importantly, Ray, we discovered the need in, in pretty much the formula for the next, you know, tentpole event. Ash Williams versus aliens. No, I think you actually got it more right when you talked about the Fast and the Furious. If we could mix the Fast and the Furious with the Aliens franchise, the world would be a better place for it. Get on it, Hollywood. Yes. All right, Robert, it's time for your decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Ash and the Xenomorph Queen. All right. Here's how I see it going down. I've... Listen to everything you've said. I've taken all these notes. And I feel like what happens is that, yes, Ash, it's not an S-mart, but he stumbles into a stock room somewhere to find that an alien queen has laid all of these eggs. The thing is, the alien queen is deadly serious, and Ash is a little bit goofy, and the alien queen will be affected to a certain extent by his sort of cartoon physics so he's just gonna whip out a shotgun obviously seeing this big huge monster shoot at her she's gonna whack it out of his hands with the tail he's gonna think like okay well this is a real tough sob he's gonna dump just a ton of pallets and boxes on top of her which is decent i guess but it's the alien queen she's just gonna come bull rushing out of that Slam into him like a Deion Sanders. I don't know. Is Deion Sanders a tackle guy? I don't. Re- I don't uh, remember. Uh, yes. I'll let. I'll just say yes for the sake of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> he goes flying against a wall, which obviously would kill a normal human. But for the purposes of this, I absolutely think Ash would take it and be like, oh, whoa, whoa. So he's smushed up. He goes for a leg lock because you know what? Absolutely. 100% Ash is going to try and do something dumb like that. She's going to fling him across the room, of course, because that's what you do. And that's uh, when he makes his first attempt to run. And as we all know, you can escape aliens through air ducts. So he's crawling through the air ducts trying to figure out what's going on. The uh, alien queen is going to do what she can. It'll be a game of cat and mouse because both of them, uh, when they want to be, can be really quiet. So I think there's going to be a lot of like 
sneaking through hallways, hearing uh, something walking away, thinking like, okay, cool, it's clear. Turn around, ah, it's the alien queen. He's going to run away. The alien queen's going to be trying to uh, sneak up on him. And for some reason, he's going to be behind her thinking that she's like a, 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 I don't know, a vending machine full of Pepsi. It feels like there's going to be a whole lot of this uh, uh, foolishness happening. Of course, while Cool and the Gang's Joanna plays. I think that is the proper soundtrack for that. Ash is going to try and set up a trap. He's going to think that he's smarter than her, and it's not going to work, as these things are wont to do. I think there is going to be a little bit of a Three Stooges moment in there where he, like, uh, jumps down on her from above with a shovel and tries to clock her in the head. She's not going to have that. He's going to hit her with a harp and a 200-pound rail tie, which will daze her for a moment, allowing him to go in for the kill. He is going to take that robot hand of his. He is going to punch it right where he thinks the queen's heart is and pull something out that is most definitely not the queen's heart it is going to melt his hand completely off though and he's going to run away again as is his want i think he's going to go for a necronomicon because there's no other choice you've got to use this terrible scary device she's going to track him down knock it out of his hands and next thing you know bashing through the window is the dead mobile who just smacks into her and pinning her down long enough for him to read the book, open up a portal, and hit hit drive and push the alien queen into that portal. For some reason, the Fast and Furious cars are there. They also drive into the portal. I think she's already in, so it's not going to be uh, an outside help kind of thing, but Dom saying something about family as they go flying off into another dimension. Feels right here. Technically... Technically, this is a win for Ash, but he is going to turn around, immediately get an egg to the face. He is going to wake up a couple days later. The uh, face hugger will have fallen off of him. The entire earth will be decimated, completely overrun by aliens because he didn't pay attention. The portal also sped up time around him. All the eggs hatched and they took over the entire world. He wakes up amongst this desolation and he's got to figure out how to get this uh, alien uh, baby that's in his chest out before the end of the Ash versus Aliens 2, I guess. The sequel coming soon. So uh, Ash wins, but he also kind of loses. Wow. 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 I got to tell you, I was thinking about this fight, okay? And I thought there's only one way, one way for Ash Williams to win this fight. And it's exactly what Race to Kane has said. That Necronomicon opening up a portal, that is the only way for him to get it. And the reason why that would work is because, as Ray said, the Alien Queen has been defeated twice on screen by battlefield removal of various ways. Race to Canis, well done. You got a really, really well-deserved victory. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel now that you've broken your losing streak. Well, first off, I just want to say, if he gets implanted by an alien, we already know he would heat up a pot of hot water and try to drink it to kill the alien, and maybe it would even work because he's Ash Williams. That's absolutely how he can go. I, I I can't tell that story any better. I don't want to give Robert Clark Chan credit for anything, but that is one of the greatest decisions and stories maybe in the history of the Who Would Win show. And I am glad to hear it. Get this monkey off my back. Take this monkey's paw and bury it in the yard. Is there a third monkey analogy? Probably, but I don't want to use it. 
I am finally free of the curse of Gavsi. I look forward to winning seven in a row at right now, starting with this one. I will win every match through to the end of the year because the streak, the curse is lifted. We finally get a judge who listened to what I had to say and applied the results correctly and shockingly. That judge is Robert Clark Chan. Who would have known? Who would have figured? All you people in Who Would Win Fantasy, I hope you took Ash, because if you thought I was losing six in a row with my favorite character in all of media, the answer is no. Uh, you know, it's a good victory, Ray. My hat is off to you. That was really well done. Robert, you are an amazing judge. Again, a national, no, an international treasure is the best way to describe you. Please come back to the show anytime you want, really. And in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. I'm not coming back to the show till you put down that mic stand that I keep mistaking for a vape pen. <laughs> this is, it's, I understand it's an audio medium, but we're on Zoom and I'm looking at it and it's weird. You can find one of my podcasts, Knowing is Half the Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Just look for Knowing is Half the Podcast. And not knowing it's half the battle, that's not what it is. That's not what you call it. Or we watch uh, cartoons, uh, mostly bad cartoons, sometimes real bad cartoons. And uh, we have some fun doing it. Also, AE Doubleback's a great show. If you uh, like watching wrestling, uh, come hang out with us uh, Wednesday nights. That's it. Fantastic. Everyone should listen to those two podcasts. A race to Canis. Again, congratulations. Super well done. I'm actually really, really happy that my favorite of the two characters got the win in this battle. So, in a weird way, it's still a win for me. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Let me tell you what I hold in my hand here for the people at home. This is my fantasy baseball trophy, a world champion from 2009. Now, I was in this particular league with friends, lifelong friends, for over 10 years before I finally broke through and won the championship. And I did not feel joy when I won this trophy. You know what I felt? An overwhelming sense of relief that I no longer had to worry about all the comments that I'd been in this league for over a decade and failed to even make the finals, much less win the big one. Now, that feeling of relief has been superseded by today's battle on the Who Would Win show. Ten years of fantasy baseball is one thing. Five matches in a row against James Gabsey of judges dropping the ball figuratively, maybe literally, that felt like a hundred years, as far as I'm concerned. I deserve this win today. I deserve the win yesterday. I deserve the win the week before. I deserve every win and loss, but I deserve it to be a win. You know what I'm trying to say. I deserve it all, and I should have it all. You can find me on threads at Almighty Ray 316 I highly recommend that you do so. You can also find him on X every once in a while, but don't don't let him know. I, I don't even know that. what that is. It's a thing. All right, listen, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsy. I may have some interesting announcements to make in the very near future. Stay tuned for that. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time.
I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.